This is For the Neighborhoods and Nations, a podcast of the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. My name is Brian Biedenbach, and I'm here again with Bishop Todd Fetters. Hello, Brian. And we are wrapping up the first season of this podcast, where we've been diving into a series of conversations focused on the eight core values that define and unite United Brethren churches around the world. In today's conversation, we're talking about linking with the larger church. Brian, this is a good topic, and and I think you and I are examples of what this can look like. I think that's one reason we've been so excited to talk about it. Right. We saved the best for last. We did. Unintentionally, I Unin- think. Well, only because it's listed in, <laughs> right. in this order, right? <laughs> right. And I, as you were reading the intro, I just thought, I tried to remember back to our first couple of these. Yeah. When we were really, really ambitious, thinking we could knock out four episodes in, <laughs> in one recording. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't, people don't know it, but it hasn't worked that way. It's no. basically two is the max. And then we're ready for lunch. And then we're always ready yeah. for lunch. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, we'll be doing lunch as soon as this one's over. Right on. I but when so. I think about our linking with the larger church and the relationship you and I've developed over the last couple of years, you were with YFC. Yeah. And that's part of the broader Big C church and one that I've esteemed for a long time. Right. Uh, Just even as a high school student coming up through YFC in my local high school. But I've always valued YFC because of their evangelistic passion. Yeah. And, And I feel like you know, for us as a denomination to have you and Roger Vizzo come in at national conference two years ago was a way to be able to link with the larger church. Right. And at the same time, underscore the value that we seek the lost. Right. So I'm always looking for ways to bring our core values to bear on decisions that I make on people we introduce those things. So I love that, that, that your, your history with YFC was such a valuable connection and, uh, a help to us as a denomination as recently as two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember, you know, I've been a licensed pastor in the denomination f- since 2003, 2004, uh, but I've been serving with Youth for Christ since yeah. 2011 until 2022, right? Mm-hmm. And was, kept my licensing with the denomination. Right. I always felt, you know, I don't think we talked specifically about this in our last episode about we esteem each other because these two are closely closely linked together esteeming one another within the denomination and then linking with the larger church outside of the denomination but i was kind of in this place myself kind of the in-between where i'm licensed in the denomination but i'm serving with another organization Mm -hmm. and really felt this this disconnect that i missed being part of the denomination Mm. And so I remember filling out the the licensed pastors, licensed ministers forms every the annual report, annual reports yeah. every year, and just got to a point where I said, you know what, I'd I'd like to be, I'd like to reconnect a little bit. And so I started yeah. writing notes, you know, at, at the end. Anything else, you know, additional thoughts or comments, whatever that yeah. last last question was. And I just started writing notes about, you know, I'd love to reconnect. If there's any way I can, I can serve, I can connect, I can be a part of something that's useful. It's helpful. And I remember getting a note back from you um, on one of those. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it started this conversation. And then a few years later, you connected with Roger and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, would YFC Youth for Christ be interested in being a part of this? And so that relationship developed there. So bringing these two together that I, I wanted to be part of this connection that I I had been missing mm-hmm. 
even serving with another ministry organization and then being able to be at the place where we could bring the two together. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you told that story also, because if there's any doubt as to whether or not I read reports, <laughs> uh, you've just solidified that I read reports. They're, they're not going to sneak something under the radar right. um, with with me. So uh, thank you for pointing that out. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We, um, but we value, we value our, that, that historic legacy. Yeah that Youth for Christ represents. And that's just one. That's just one of the the organizations over decades that the United Brethren have been able to partner with and just enjoy being together in the evangelical cause right. of, of uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. Yeah, so you know, we've kind of been talking around this yep. idea of right. linking with the larger we church. We gave an example. We gave examples, right? Can you just read it for us so we know what we're talking about here? It's a short one. It is a short one. I'd be happy to. We value connections with Christians outside of the United Brethren family. We are not separatist in mentality or practice. Rather, we intentionally develop connections with other Christian denominations and groups which are similar in purpose and spirit so that we can more broadly advance the work of the Great Commission and impact our world. A couple words just come out. One word comes out of that, mm-hmm. again, and ties to what we talked about in the previous episode, and that is connection. Right. Right? So it talks about we're not separatist in mentality or practice. We intentionally develop connections with other Christian denominations and groups similar. And for the purpose of being able to fulfill the Great Commission is is where we are at. So this idea of what we talked about last time was our connections within the family. We esteem each other, yeah. uh, both uh, you know within the family nationally, within the family family globally. This this particular core value talks about the broader evangelical umbrella and the groups within that. And so Youth for Christ fits beautifully within mm-hmm. within that description. Yeah. And we'll talk about other, you kind of alluded to other organizations that we yep. link up with. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I one of the things that I, I shared in the last one that I, I really appreciated about this denomination is the way we esteem each other. But also, this is, again, another reason I was so excited to talk about this is this is something that I value individually and I yeah. value personally that I haven't always experienced in other places that I've been. So being here as part of the denomination yeah. that values linking up outside of the family mm-hmm. really resonates with me. So Brian, let me just ask you a question. What did that mean to you when we talked about, you know, the three-story living possibility uh, at National Conference two years ago? As, as somebody who was, who, who yeah, they're part of the family, but yet you're working for a, a, a right. different organization within the evangelical uh, camp, what did that, what did that what does that feel like to you guys? What does that What does that mean to you <laughs> to be brought in? To me personally, it meant a lot for a number of reasons that we don't always have to get into. But it 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 was a a sense of feeling valued and mm-hmm. valuable that you have something that we need, and not your another organization over there that will support financially or whatever. We like what you do, whatever. Okay. But it's you actually have something to to offer, and we want to hear what that is. We want to learn. So feeling valued and purpose purposeful mm-hmm. really means a lot to me. Also, because at that time I was helping to develop some of the stuff that we just thought, hey, we have something that we can take to places, and we can quit asking 
yeah. for for people to help us, we actually have something that we can offer. Mm-hmm. And so for for you to reach out and say, hey, this is something we'd love to talk about, made made that mission feel validated, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, I think there's something something in that, not just for Youth for Christ, but I think any organization that you can go to that maybe historically is what I was feeling. Historically, we've always been the ones asking yeah. for resources, for funds, so that we can do the ministry that we do in a place that maybe the church isn't getting to. Mm-hmm. Now we've got something that we can take there Good. you know yeah. so that's a long way around that question but, but thanks for th- thanks for going there with me because i think a lot of times you know i look at it from a standpoint of how can this organization you know benefit our, our denomination mm-hmm. but i i want to hear that that it's helpful to you yeah as well and that it's going to be a mutual benefit yeah yeah it absolutely has been a mutual benefit and like i said i haven't always experienced that right uh, i was you know in a previous denomination that i served you know prior to moving to fort wayne I got pushback because again, this is who I am. Uh-huh. I want to link up with other people, like-minded people and, and just make things happen and, it, you know, live on mission together. Mm-hmm. And I got, man, I got some pushback and some flack for doing anything that was outside of our denomination. Okay. That, you know, a, a youth conference that wasn't. You're talking a, about a previous denomination. At a, yeah. A previous denomination. Yeah. yeah. And, it really, I didn't understand it. It really, okay. bought, like, we're all, we're all in this together. Why does that matter so much? And I didn't understand the historical context of what was happening in that particular church. I was new, I was okay. young, whatever. But so being a part of this denomination that says, hey, we're not going to let denominational lines be the thing that separates us. Mm-hmm. And I, I even like the word separatist. Right. We're not going to be separatists in this. Uh, but, but I experienced that. I also experienced here locally in Fort Wayne being a part of a youth workers network of in in my community of churches from various denominations just coming together to have lunch and get to know each other because we didn't even know each other, right? And getting to a point where one youth worker wouldn't come to lunch mm. because a youth worker from another particular denomination had been invited. Okay. And I went, I never want to be a part of something that says just because this, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't felt that within the denomination. And I think our denomination looks beyond that. And mm-hmm. there are things that separate us that we'll talk sure. about. Uh, things but, that things that are different. Right. right? We, we, we have our differences. Right. But separatism is not our default posture. Right. We're, we're, we're not necessarily bent to engage from a perspective of well how 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 where do we agree we we do have that bent where right. do we agree what is our mission how can we how can we join in it together and so therefore you know we 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 I'd like to think that we are postured more on the balls of our feet yeah than on our heels you know where we're just dug in again that doesn't mean that we're just partnering with anybody and everybody right. there, there are, there are, there are groups that we will partner with because of like-minded commitments, doctrinally, organizationally, missionally. So when I think know. about that, who we partner with then, mm-hmm. I I think about, we've used, and you use the terms a lot, gospel unity and mission. Yeah. And I think those as a starting point are good filters to go. Can we partner 
with this organization or this right. denomination? Are we agreed on the gospel? Are we agreed in unity that we're doing this together? And we agreed in the direction we're going in this mission. Right. Are there other things that we should consider when we look to mission partners, church partners? Well, we're thinking denominationally, but I think also local church wise. Yeah. That, you know, when, when a local church becomes part of our denomination, the United Brethren in Christ, they sign a covenant. Mm -hmm. And the first of four commitments that they make are a commitment to the confession of faith and our core values. So the confession of faith gets to, this is what we doctrinally adhere to. Mm -hmm. These, these seven core statements of faith. And we talked, we've talked about how that mirrors much more like the apostles creed. Right. And it's it's not um, exhaustive. It's not it's exhaustive. Pretty simple, right? It's not exhaustive. So so that does help us engage in partnerships. You know, maybe easy more easily than if we had a more exhaustive right. confession of faith or or doctrinal statement. The core values really get to our ethos, who we are. Yeah, you know, and and so we're looking at at um, strategic part developing strategic partnerships with with individuals or groups or networks or organizations that that have the that same ethos. And, you know, a lot of them are looking to partner. Yeah. And so, you know, an openness to partnership, you you can usually sense that very quickly. Right. Yeah. So who are you know, we talked about Youth for Christ. Yeah. Because that was my connection yep. initially. Who are some of the other partners that we connect with yeah. outside of our denomination. Yeah, so we we belong or are members of National Association of Evangelicals. That is one of our our larger and more long-standing partnership. We've yeah. been partners in that I think for about 70 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and how many churches, how many yeah. denominations? So the NAE represents uh, according to their their website about 40,000 churches. Okay. 40 denominations. Wow. And those denominations run the broad spectrum of of evangelicalism. And so through that I've developed some really good relationships with other denominational leaders. Yeah. You know, that that have really been helpful for me in settling down and settling into my role as the bishop. They give me encouragement. They they help me be a better bishop, not just, you know, uh strategically, well, uh, well, with respect to to leadership mm-hmm. strategies but also leadership character Le- you know concern for the whole person uh in that role um, almost the abiding together that right? seems to keep coming up yeah, in some of these conversations so again within AE what i've always appreciated is this sense of of, of esteeming each other uh in Christ so that's that's one of our partners and we have really found NAE over the years to be a helpful partner in in also navigating a cultural response mm. or a cultural posture and from which we can respond to the the changing landscape that we have and and one of the things I've always appreciated about in National Association of Evangelicals I don't know if it's a tagline so to speak but but they refer to themselves as a nonpartisan wise and winsome voice in the public square. Okay. And I, I just appreciate that posture, uh, particularly the wise and the winsome voice. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to engage uh, some very, you know, in, in our culture today, it's very loud. There are big issues across the cultural landscape right. that, that are 
I mean, they're, they're seismic as far as the change that they're calling for. And I just appreciate NAE being able to wade in on some of these things that are impacting our nation, but doing so in a manner that is inviting conversation, respects, understands nuance, legal and otherwise, social otherwise, but is strong on their principles and convictions uh, that are consistent with who we understand God to be and what he expects of the church. So I've always appreciated that. And, you know, we'll get to hear more from them at National Conference this year as the president of NAE, Dr. Walter Kim. That's right. uh, Will be our keynote speaker on the first two nights. Yeah. So it sounds like the National Association of Evangelicals even is, while we partner with that, with them as an organization, that's all also been a springboard to partnerships with other individual denominations yeah. or individual leaders for you as well. A couple, I, I, I think of, uh, you know, pastors in our denomination will recognize the name Daniel Henderson. Mm, yep. uh, others in our, uh, within our family will understand, remember that name as he was our keynote speaker in 2019. Daniel has written books on prayer. He has led cohorts on coaching pastors to develop a prayer culture in their churches. Whenever I assign and part of assigning a new pastor to a local church, one of the things that we do is we underwrite their participation in a in a, a pastoral empowerment cohort led by Daniel Henderson. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we probably got about 60 or so pastors who've gone through that. And this is just a really important strategic partnership that was also fostered through our connection with uh, the National Association of Evangelicals. Yeah. So we've talked so far about this being kind of denominationally linking yeah. up with larger organizations, but it this doesn't have to be a formalized denominational yay or nay kind of thing, right? If a local church is looking to partner with maybe mission partners in their local community, mm-hmm. do the same filters hold true? I don't know if filters is the right word, but gospel unity and mission, confession okay. of faiths, uh, Core values. Core values. That was the other one, yeah. I think they do, Brian. I think, um, you know, as a pastor, I would, you know, as a pastor for the years that I was, um, I would look at developing strategic partnerships with local organizations uh, such as, you know, um, shelters for for women Mm -hmm. suffering domestic abuse, you know, maybe uh, for um, individuals um, who were needing an option other than prison. You know, as whether it be a halfway house or just a place that they could, they could stay and and be able to continue their job, you know, but but you know, pay the debt, so to speak, and and yet find real improvement, you know. So again, you you I'm tying those to what's our mission now at Devonshire Church, where I was at for 18 years. Our mission was to to find and to help individuals find and follow Jesus. So that was our our larger mission statement. And we just looked at it through the lens of that. So that would be a third, right? A third one. We believe that the mission statement is tied to the great commission and, and it's, it's not going to be in contrast to the things that we talk about with gospel unity mission. It's not going to probably be in contrast with the great commission. It's not going to be in contrast with the confession of faith or the, uh, the core values. So, you know, we're looking for, through the lens of orthodoxy, is this organization that we're partnering with? Do they, they believe the same orthodoxies that we believe? 
that's going to be critical. So I, I think of, uh, you know, even, even to the point where I developed strategic partners in counseling, mm. when I would refer individuals, I want to make sure I was putting them in the, in good hands of people that, that would, would in essence speak Jesus and the words of life into their situations yeah. at a time where they're confused or angry or, or vulnerable. I think of, um, you know, uh, food pantries, local missions, you know, that, that, yeah, through the lens of gospel unity, mission, core values, confession of faith, we're, we're a green light to go yeah. on a strategic partnership. Yeah. Tom, one of the things I've appreciated about these conversations is the amount that I've learned Mm -hmm. Uh, just not just about our core values, but about the history of our denomination. And one of the things that I've, I've picked up that we've stated, I think in every episode is this isn't new, right? The, the fact that we link with the larger church, isn't a new thing. We talk about what, what'd you say earlier? 70 years connecting Mm -hmm. with NAE 70 years this year, this year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Connecting with the national association of evangelicals. Uh, at how long have we been connected with Daniel Henderson as a denomination? Since 2018. 2018. So even the, you know, since 2018 and 70 years still feel like a, a new ish movement, but this has been part of who we are, part of our ethos since the beginning, 255 year history mm-hmm. of our denomination. Right. This is how we came to be. I've, I've appreciated that in the, in the Good. context of these conversations. Well, and just to bring that home, I, I would just reinforce the fact that our history, United Brethren history, which begins in 1767 on Pentecost Sunday, mm. in 1767 in a barn in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, two individuals embrace after the gospel is preached and one proclaims we are brethren in German. That's Our name comes from that moment, and it's, rela- it's a relational name drawn together because of the gospel and, and the power of the Holy Spirit and that. So our history then is one of evangelical ecumenism where individuals from different brands of denominations mm-hmm. are coming together on this issue of proclaiming the gospel in, in the highways and byways, the nooks and crannies, wherever, wherever there are people. They're on horseback, they're walking, and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus, striving to pull people into, uh, not pull people, invite people into a relationship with Jesus that can be experienced and have assurance uh, in that. So, uh, again, that's our history, and it's centered in Christ. Right. It's not necessarily committed to the church brand or a particular church organizational structure or even on all the finer points of doctrine. It's connected in Christ. And as I've said several times, that's our address. That's our address. That's where we live, in Christ and in him alone. Yeah. Well, Todd, we've come to the end of these conversations. And as I just mentioned, I've learned a lot uh, just about our core values, what we adhere to as a denomination, uh, what what our history is. I've really appreciated your insight on the history of the denomination and where these core values come from. So it's been a pleasure just talking through these and landing on this one that actually brought us together in the first place. Yeah. And Brian, I'm, I'm grateful for your, as I said, I've said a couple of times, I just appreciate your 
your expertise with this. It has been, these conversations have been very, very helpful, particularly for me as I've thought about these core values for some time now and just felt that they were really important to be able to bring to, in particular, the folks of the United Brethren in Christ family. And so thank you for, for helping me with that. And thank you for being just a, not just a great host, but a, uh, an important contributor in this conversation. And my hope is that that we walk away understanding or people are able to listen to this and understand that these are what unite us. Yeah, Our unity is in Christ, absolutely. But if we're looking at who United Brethren are, how we think, you know, what we think, how we, how we relate, these core values, which are rather new, these core values are deep deeply embedded into our history and uh, hopefully through the Holy Spirit, deeply embedded in us. Amen. Amen. Well, Todd, I don't know if there's much else to say. This has been a pleasure, my friend. Looking forward to maybe another project down the road. I hope so too. And uh, so folks, stay tuned to see what, what comes out next for the neighborhoods and the nations. 